0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello everyone, and welcome to a special Good Friday edition of Washington Watch. For just the third time in the 21st century, the Jewish Passover holiday and Good Friday fall on the same calendar day. My good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills, California, joins me to talk about the connection between the Jewish Passover and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and how the two historically and theologically connected events were separated. And in just a moment, we'll go to Jerusalem for the latest news on Israel. The country has been rocked by a wave of terrorist attacks and is also once again facing the potential of another national election, as the current coalition government is hanging by a thread. We'll talk with CBN's Middle East Bureau Chief, Chris Mitchell. Also, the American Bible Society is out with their annual report on the state of the Bible. Who's reading it? Who's not reading it? What opportunities to expand the reading of the Bible exist? We'll discuss it with Dr. John Plake, Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society. The website is TonyPerkins.com. We have lots of resources there for you, so I encourage you to make use of those connections to our guests so that you can follow up with them and uh, other resources as to what's happening here in our nation's capital. Also, all of our past programs are archived there. It's a great way to share Washington Watch with those who may not have a station near them. Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 and 4. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Moses' declaration as he was about to cross into eternity reminds me of the words that Paul wrote to the Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I invite you to join us in our two-year Bible reading plan. You can find out more about it by going to frc.org slash Bible. I also invite you to join me each morning at 844 a.m. Eastern Time for a daily devotional based upon the daily Bible reading plan. You can find it right here at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. While much of the world's eyes have been focused on Ukraine, and understandably so, the nation of Israel has experienced a wave of terrorist attacks. According to CBS News, quote, Israel has stepped up its military activity in the West Bank after Palestinian assailants killed 14 Israelis in four deadly attacks inside Israel in recent weeks. End quote. This is compounded with Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's coalition government teetering with the surprised defection of Edith Silman, who was a former key ally of Bennett's and... To top it all off, Israel's most dangerous enemy, Iran, is trying to cement a revitalized nuclear deal with the United States. There's much to discuss on this Good Friday and this day of Passover in Israel. Joining me now is CBN's News uh, Middle, Bureau, Middle East Bureau Chief, Chris Mitchell. Chris, welcome back to the program.
2: Great to be back with you, Tony.
1: Always good to uh, to see you. Let me ask you this what is the sense of the feeling or mood of the Israeli people there on this uh, Passover, given the uncertainty uh, of everything that's happening there in the country?
2: Yeah, well, these terror attacks, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Tony, have been horrific. They've been in Tel Aviv, Bersheva, place called B'nai Brak. They've really been uh, several places uh, around the country. There's the sense, uh, the dread, I think, for some Israelis that this would be the start of what they would, they would call this, third intifada. When I came here in 2000 of August, uh, what began the second intifada, that was about a three to four year period of just successive terror attacks, bus bombings. Uh, there's the hope that that is not going to happen again. And that uh, what the IDF is doing in the West Bank to uh, quell this uh, this <clears throat> terror attack or terror wave uh, will work. Uh, a couple of things are happening, uh, Tony. First of all, I think the rise in the terror attacks uh, coincides with another holiday the uh, the muslim uh, commemoration of ramadan typically terror attacks do increase during this time and the other thing is the incitement uh, the incitement by hamas uh, people understand that but also by what's called fatah the political arm of the palestinian authority has really radicalized much of the palestinian population there was a recent poll that said you know the majority of uh, Palestinians, they want an armed struggle. uh, And that's a euphemism for really taking over Israel. So I think those two factors are a big part of what's happening in this latest terror wave.
1: Yeah, I think we've seen over the last um, at least half a decade where during Ramadan, we see an uptick in the the terrorist attacks. But do we see these uh, incidents, recent incidents, uh as lone wolf uh attacks or are they connected to an organized effort
2: well some of them uh, they haven't had uh, claim responsibility for for example the last one in uh in tel aviv where tragically three were killed and uh over a dozen wounded uh, nobody really claimed responsibility for that that seemed to be quote unquote lone attack but it was celebrated in Ramallah. It's celebrated in Gaza. It's even celebrated up in Lebanon by Hezbollah. So even though they may appear lone attacks, uh, it really is supported, I think, by the population uh, in the West Bank and Gaza and places like Lebanon as well. So uh, the concern is that these kind of attacks will continue. But uh, hopefully what the IDF is doing to try to uh, root out some of the uh, weapons that are in the West Bank and some of these uh, Hamas uh, terrorists uh, will work.
1: You know, given the understanding of the tension that has uh, been in that part of the world for centuries, Mm -hmm. uh, is the approach more to to manage the uh, the conflict as opposed to resolve it?
2: Well, I think that's what's uh, been happening for the last uh, 25 years or so, managing the conflict. Uh, the attempt to try to have a two-state solution and resolve the conflict uh, hasn't worked. And uh, and I think the, the harder part uh, to resolving it, uh, Tony, will be this: the changing of hearts and minds. Uh, if you have a population that really doesn't want to see Israel exist, we certainly see that in Hamas. Their charter explicitly calls for the destruction of the Jewish state and then uh, others that are radicalized in the West Bank, uh, that's the real resolution, I think, is changing the hearts and minds of uh, many Palestinians, some Israelis, of course, but, but that, that I think, is uh, the real heart of the problem, is changing that. And then attempting the two-state solution uh, as the United States and the Biden administration is, is continuing to pursue, uh, it really hits a brick wall, I think, when you realize uh, the results of these polls that say more Palestinians and not really want an armed struggle to resolve the situation.
1: Well, because you talk about uh, changing hearts and and minds, you know, there in Jerusalem as a, as a Christian, do you see the spiritual nature of the struggle?
2: Definitely. I think, uh, and I think if people need to realize this is really at root, a religious and a spiritual conflict right now uh, that goes back centuries and uh, unless you address that, I think you you really miss sort of the, uh, the root, the foundation of the, uh, the, the spiritual and the religious conflict going on. You can talk about politics, you can talk uh, dip, dip, diplomatically, but unless you really, uh, I think, address the spiritual roots, you're missing uh, the, the main problem.
1: That's so why I think uh, in the last administration where we had Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who understood the spiritual nature of things, it actually helped informed his diplomatic approach to many things, and I think that's that's uh, why it's important we don't deny these things or look away from these things, but we understand you know the historical theological uh, foundations of this uh this conflict i want to I want to transition to the latest mm-hmm. there politically. Uh, in Israel with uh, the prime minister, Naftali Bennett's coalition government uh, teetering. What's the latest?
2: Well, it had been on a razor's edge uh, already, uh, 61 seats out of uh, 120 seats. So it's 61 to 59. And as you said, one of the uh, Yamina members of the Knesset uh, has defected, uh, so this puts it at 60-60. So basically, it's going to be very hard for the Bennett government to pass legislation, and it really is on a knife's edge right now because if he, if there's another one, two, three, or four defections, uh, then we could lead to uh, new elections. Or if a number of uh, defections from, say, right-wing parties go back to the opposition led by former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, you could see a change of government. So it's Teetering right now on an ice edge, as I said, and uh, we'll see what happens. It can continue as it is for now, uh, but it really can't take any more political blows like uh, it happened just about a week ago.
1: Now, I understand the polling suggests that uh, there are people who think that uh, the former Prime minister uh, could uh, you know handle situations a little better than uh, Prime Minister Bennett. However, uh, it looks like if there were a national, another national election, which you just had one just ten months ago, uh, that you would come up with the same outcome, basically a divided uh, uh, Knesset.
2: Exactly, and if you look at the Likud, led by uh, Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, they almost get double the seats as the next party, led by uh, Yair Lapid, and most people actually uh, prefer Benjamin Netanyahu as Prime Minister in the latest polls by a wide margin however uh, as you said if there was another election given the political landscape right now it would probably be just about the same outcome right now you would have uh maybe 59 60 seats for either the right or the left the the problem or the 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 reason for the uh for the dilemma tony is the fact that there are right-wing parties several about three or four of those right-wing parties that don't want to serve in a government led by Benjamin Netanyahu. That's why we have the current government we have now. Unless that changes, we might still have this political gridlock here in Israel.
1: Uh, Very quickly, uh, Chris, uh, how does Iran factor into this?
2: Well, obviously right now, uh, Israel's very concerned about the uh, Iranian negotiations. Uh, They are glad to hear that it looks like The Biden administration may not remove the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, Iran's uh, IRGC, from what's called the FTO, the Foreign Terrorist Organization list. Uh, That's heartening. But uh, they are concerned what this new Iranian deal is going to look like, that it won't address Iran's ballistic missiles, uh, perhaps its uh, nefarious activities all over the Middle East and that it would actually pave the way for a nuclear arsenal by Iran within a few years. So that's the main concern right now. Even far greater than the terror wave, as as bad as that is, that's the existential threat that Israel's facing right now.
1: Chris Mitchell, final uh, question for you, 30 seconds. What's Resurrection Weekend like there in Jerusalem?
2: Well, it's a wonderful time here, uh, Tony. Uh, uh, Tomorrow, people will be celebrating Monday, Thursday, and going to the Upper Room. Uh, Friday, a lot of people will be retracing the steps of Jesus on the Via Dolorosa. And of course, Resurrection Sunday, CBN will be actually uh, live streaming a uh, service from the Garden Tomb where many people believe Jesus rose from the dead. And so that's the big news, the good news here, Tony, in the Holy Land this Easter weekend.
1: That is certainly uh, good news. Chris Mitchell, always great to uh, see you. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks, Tony. Great to be with you.
1: All right, folks, coming up for the third time this century, Passover and Good Friday fall on the same calendar day. On this Good Friday, we'll discuss how present-day believers can appreciate the feast in the Old Testament while living under the new covenant. It came to us from Jesus. That's coming up next as we're joined by my good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California. Don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch right after this.
0: Today, moral relativism and political correctness are assaulting truth. How can the world have hope when believers themselves aren't clear on the authority of the Bible?
3: The Church of Jesus Christ always faces a tremendous temptation to deviate from the Word of God.
0: The God who speaks clearly expresses God's intent in giving us His Word and the response that is demanded of those who hear. Nobody ever encounters
1: God and says, that was boring and irrelevant. When people say that about the Bible,
2: it just says to me they've not encountered the God of the Bible.
1: Our faith is rooted in history, and and consequently we need to use the evidence and never be afraid of
0: it. The God Who Speaks is a feature-linked documentary from the American Family Association which could bolster your confidence in the Word of God.
1: Churches really need to see this, really need to understand
0: what the Bible actually is. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of Hope for Your Home with Jerry and Becky Drace.
1: You know what, folks? you got to be careful where you walk. Listen to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10.
3: My son, if sinners, foolish people entice you, do not consent.
1: Mm. Have you ever fallen into a hole while you were walking? Just minding your own business and bam, there you are. You fall into the hole. Foolish people can be very enticing. They may sound good and what they're suggesting may seem good, but you need to teach your children to be careful to whom they listen and certainly who they follow.
3: It may be enticing to follow a voice or a crowd, but it takes courage to make the right choices. The hole may be deeper than it looks. So teach your children to be careful where they walk and with whom they walk.
0: Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home.
3: When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to.
4: I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken.
3: Julia was referred to a preborn center where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life.
4: I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're going to get through it and it's going to be okay.
3: Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds and the gospel in action to moms like Julia. To find out more about the ministry of preborn, visit them online at preborn.com. Again, that's preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Your love can save a life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. As I mentioned, heading into the break, Passover and Good Friday fall on the same day this year. It's only the third time this has happened in this century. You know, as Christians, we know that Christ was the promised Passover, providing the perfect sacrifice for our sins. So the celebration of the two events is logical as well as theological. But it was the Council of Nicaea uh, when they intentionally separated the two back in the year 325 AD. However, more and more Christians are discovering the power of the Passover. Joining me now to discuss this is Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills. Pastor Jack, welcome back to Washington Watch.
5: Tony, it's great to be with you. And uh, what a great time of the year it is, for sure.
1: It really is. And, and uh, you know, the fact that Passover, um, it, which is being celebrated by Jews all, all around the world, mm-hmm. falls on the same day as Good Friday when we recognize the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And, of course, we celebrate the resurrection on Sunday. Uh, historically, I mean, these two have been connected. Uh, let's talk about the power of the Passover in illustrating what Jesus did.
5: Well, it's absolutely awesome. And for us to really understand it, and this is what we want to make every believer consider always, Tony, and that is there is no way for us to know that the New Testament is true unless we know our Old Testament. And so to go back to understand the Passover and to understand uh, the Good Friday Uh, you've got to go back to Egypt. And of course, it's all recorded in the book of Leviticus chapter 23, where the instructions are given to Moses to pass along to the Jewish people that these are the seven feasts that are to be honored. But remember, those seven feasts that are mentioned in Leviticus 23 uh, originates with what God did with the children of Israel in Egypt. And to think about the Passover which is where they were to take the blood of an innocent lamb. Tony, they were to bring that lamb into their own home, according to Exodus 12 and 13, that they were to be um, very intimate with that lamb. And then they were to take the dad, the father of the house, and, and, the, the, and the gathering of 10 people, that they were to take that lamb, sacrifice it by slitting its throat, capturing the blood, and presenting that blood on the doorpost of their home. And this is what's remarkable. The death angel was only given this instruction to pass through Egypt and to pass over the homes that the death angel saw blood. And by the way, I don't want to get too uh, fantastic about it. But Tony, when you put the blood on the doorpost and lintel, you're looking at at a blood splattering that's in the shape of a cross. Right cross of an innocent male lamb placed on the door of your home, the death angel would pass over. It it didn't say that you had to be Jewish. Think about that. If there was an Egyptian listening in and did that, the death angel looked for blood, the Passover. And thus we move forward to the significance of Passover and uh, Good Friday. As you mentioned, Tony, it's happened several times uh, throughout this last century. Now we come to this particular holy day, and we as believers should really be uh, announcing to our, not only everybody, but to our Jewish friends, the significance that Jesus is the Passover lamb, exactly as the Old Testament said he would be, and that promise in the Old Testament is eyewitness account recorded in the new.
1: Let, let me go back just a moment because I think there's something very significant as uh, the first Passover is observed and how it is conducted. It is conducted family by family. That's and, right. You know, as as uh, this was really the formation of a new nation as they were getting ready to come out of Egypt and they were going to be on that, uh, unbeknownst to them, a 40-year journey. should have just taken a few days. But the, okay. the reality is, it was done by family. And I I don't want to miss that point because I believe the same is to be true where we're to have the the family remains kind of the spiritual um, place of development for our children and why we should be observing uh, these very significant uh, holidays and celebrations in the Christian faith. Tony, I love what you just said, because
5: before there was any priesthood, think about that it was it was the father of that house he was to be the prophet n- meaning he was to proclaim to the family the truth of god he was to be the priest of the home he acted out what the priest for generations to follow would do that he's the one that took the blood from the animal think about how how incredibly emotional it must have been for this little precious spotless lamb that your family's become accustomed to that the the father takes what is precious and offers it on behalf of the sins of the family. And then it was the dad, the father, that was to lead that very same family out into the wilderness of the unknown, but following God. Uh, It's exactly the family model that we should be exercising today. Dads need to get back to being the prophet, the priest, and of course, the provider for the home.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, that's something we often step over when we look at the the, the Passover. But, you know, I think what's missing today, and I'm going to talk about this later in the program when we look at uh, the state of the Bible in America, that uh, we need to return, as you were pointing about in Leviticus 23, where these festivals are laid out. There was a purpose for that. It was a part of their identity as a people and a remembrance, especially in the Passover, of what God had done for them. Well, Tony, so much so that if if people are reading their Bible
5: carefully, during the millennium, the Bible tells us that we will celebrate the seven feasts of Moses during the thousand-year reign of Christ when he physically returns to earth. So these are celebrations it would be wrong for us to approach them as burdens of law to fulfill that's not why he gave them notice that they are they are celebrations of uh of what god has done they were also according to the book of colossians they were a uh, foretelling of that which is to come that what god told them then the substance of it all would be in christ jesus that's why john the baptist in john 129 says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John was clearly talking about Jesus. Uh, the narrative makes it clear. There's no way that you can mess that up.
1: All right, Pastor Jack, we're going to have to push Paul's right there, and we're going to pick it up on the other side of this break. So stick with us. And folks, I'm going to encourage you to stick with us as I continue my conversation with uh, actually my battle buddy, Pastor Jack Hibbs on Calvary, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. we we'll continue our conversation about the Passover, and the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Stick with us.
3: We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us.
0: Anna-Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity.
3: The Lord has given us uh, things that we
1: can uh, acquire, Uh, but you know, everything will stay here, and I'm so thankful for it. For the American Family uh, Annuity Fund, where we can give some to something that we so highly value.
0: Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association.
1: I cannot uh,
3: recommend a a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund It was so
4: easy.
0: Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. From the Pacific Justice Institute,
3: this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dacus.
0: Governors in Oklahoma and Arizona both recently signed bills into law prohibiting biological males who claim to be females from competing on female sports teams. This comes after many other states' similar legislative moves. Well, Pacific Justice Institute has testified in favor of bills of a like nature in states such as Idaho, Missouri, Montana, and South Dakota to protect women's safety and their right to fair competition. Learn more about PJI's efforts to preserve freedom from coast to coast. Sign up for PJI's weekly newsletter, The Legal Insider. Visit pji.org.
3: PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org.
1: You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. We're continuing our Good Friday conversation uh, with Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills. Pastor Jack, thanks for uh, sticking around. You, at the beginning, talked about we got to start in the Old Testament. If If we read just the New Testament... And I'm an advocate of the New Testament and the Old Testament. I like all 66 books of the Bible. Uh, But really, without the Old Testament, the New Testament's one-dimensional. We miss, really, the the color commentary, especially when we look at the Lord's Supper, which was the Passover that Jesus instituted on the eve of his death.
5: Well, Tony, uh, recent history here at church. Last Sunday for us, for the world was Palm Sunday. And if you don't study Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a little donkey makes no sense. It makes no sense. The New Testament is that eyewitness account recording of what the Old Testament promised. It's how we know that our scriptures are in fact prophetically accurate and can be trusted. So much so that now we're approaching uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus to be uh, celebrated and commemorated. Why? What is the significance? The first announcement of this is in Genesis three fifteen. God says to Adam and Eve, "I'm going to redeem you through the seed of the woman." That is a biological impossibility unless there is going to be a Holy Spirit intervention in the life of a woman. Of course, we know that through Eve would come mary from mary would come the messiah that's in genesis three fifteen. but also this the scriptures tell us that through abraham that abraham was told to take isaac his only son the son of promise and take him on a three-day journey three days to a place that god would show him and the bible tells us that god showed him the mountain of moriah Now, Mount Moriah, Tony, you and I have been there many times. Mount Moriah is, it's not only the Temple Mount, it's the area that is the city of David heading up northward, both north and elevation to Golgotha. The high ground of Moriah is called Golgotha. And it's there that we strongly believe that Abraham offered up Isaac on the high ground of Moriah, acting out Bible prophecy, because what do we know? Jesus bore his cross to Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull, and there he was crucified. Not only on biblical accounts, but the Sanhedrin recorded this, Josephus recorded this, and of course it's recorded in Roman secular history. So God speaks to us in Bible prophecy. The New Testament records the fulfillment. That's why every single one of us should be committed Bible students and not let one word or one line of God's word go by without close examination.
1: I I was just thinking if you were laying all of that out to borrow a line from uh, the book title of a friend of ours Frank Turk, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Uh there's just so much evidence from start to finish that that points to Jesus Christ the son of God as the savior of mankind to all who will put their faith and trust in him
5: yes amen amen that one on the cross was the one that was born in Bethlehem just as Isaiah said again everything linked to the old testament answered in the new we're coming up on this special very special uh dual Gathering, as it were, regarding Passover and Good Friday, and how how perfect, Tony, that while Jesus was being led out to be crucified, the Passover lambs were being sacrificed two thousand years ago at the temple, and right then and there, Tony, you can sense it where God shifts his focus from the symbolism of a little four-legged lamb to the fulfillment of God incarnate, the Lamb of God. Imagine that as they were coming into Jerusalem through the Sheep Gate, it's called. Jesus is going out after his condemnation. He's going out of the Sheep Gate heading to Golgotha. It's absolutely stunning. Our faith is founded upon fact, and I'm so thankful that it is.
1: Pastor Jack, we just have a minute left, but as you made reference, you know, these... Um Festivals will be celebrated in the millennial, and and we're going to be a part of that for those that uh, are, are there. What we see is more Christians are beginning to recognize these Jewish festivals, and in, in fact, many Christians observing the Passover. Uh, is this kind of a warm up for what's just around the corner? Well, it could very well be a warm-up. I think just like worship, Tony, every Sunday or Wednesday, we gather together
5: as a congregation to worship. It's warm-up for the big day, right? It's warm-up for when we meet him. We'll be worshiping forever. Those feasts that will be celebrated uh, will be reminders to the people, reminders of what he is to us and what he's done for us. Tony, if there's one message I'd like to get across at this resurrection season is that the legalist needs, needs to lay down their legalism. The Pharisee needs to surrender his pride. More than ever right now, America needs to repent. I guess more than ever, I guess the church in America needs to repent of her sin, call out to this God who has begged us to call out to him, knowing that in us dwells no good thing. But he died for us because He is the only one, the only way whereby we can experience the forgiveness of sins and justification by his resurrection. And the sooner we surrender to what he's done instead of what we do, then now comes the Christian joy. Now comes the happiness, frankly, of being in a believer in a world that is unhappy, a world that is terrified. It
1: It is the hope of the world. Pastor Jack, always great to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Folks, stick with us. We're back after this.
4: Stay informed with what's going on in our nation's capital. Make a difference in your community and keep your friends and family up to date with Family Research Council's Stand Firm mobile app. This tool serves to bring Christians across America together in advancing faith, family, and freedom. With the Stand Firm app, you will have all of our content available at your fingertips and will conveniently be able to stay up-to-date
0: throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources,
4: such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download FRC's Stand Firm app or by going to frc.org app.
0: Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people.
4: This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station, and here's what's happening in Israel.
0: Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord.
3: Come on, come on. American Family Association. Or American Family Radio. I missed the show again.
0: Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Oh, Lord.
5: AFR.net. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. As caregivers, we are weary, fearful, wounded souls trying to stand between a vulnerable loved one and even harsher circumstances. But the grim things we face can cause our hearts to daily break and we cry out for relief and to feel better. During our journey as a caregiver, there's going to be many times where we won't feel better. Someone we love suffers and we're often powerless to do anything about it. You're never going to feel better about that, but that's not the goal. The goal becomes to be better as we journey through this often long valley of the shadow of death and to be healthier on every level, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. We can be healthy while caring for someone who isn't, even if we feel heartbroken over what we must do as caregivers. We're not always going to feel better, but we can be better,
1: and let's do this together. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope. There's more information at StandingWithHope.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad you're with us on this Good Friday edition. For more than a decade, the American Bible Society has polled Americans on their engagement with Scripture. The results have brought good news, causes for concern, and sometimes uh, results that can be puzzling. But what about the state of the Bible in the year 2022? two years into a worldwide pandemic, and as wars continue to rage in Eastern Europe and elsewhere. Well, here to discuss this and more is John Plake. He is the Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society and co-author of the annual State of the Bible Report. Dr. Plake, welcome back to Washington Watch on this Good Friday.
4: Thank you, Tony. Happy Good Friday to you.
1: Your 2022 annual report does not sugarcoat the results. It makes clear from the very start that throughout the last 12 months, there was an, quote, unprecedented drop in the percentage of Bible users in the United States. Tell us about it.
4: Yeah, we've been conducting the study since 2011, and in every year from 2011 to 2021, even as the pandemic started, the proportion of Bible users, by that we mean people who use the Bible on their own, outside of church, uh, at least three or four times a year. So it's a pretty low bar, and that proportion of Americans has typically been right around 50%, maybe a little below, a little above, but right around 50%. This year, that number dropped to 39 percent, which is completely unprecedented. Um, And it really tells us that there's a lot going on in the country and in the way people engage with their faith that maybe we hadn't thought was going to happen. It's unprecedented and it should get our attention and, and call us to really focus on the struggles that Americans are having.
1: Now clearly in the report you make reference to this unprecedented pandemic and how that's affected church attendance, gathering together and and it's affected the way people read and interact with the
4: Bible. It really has, you know, we talk about this 26 million Americans who maybe in 2021, we're engaging with scripture, or at least using it sometimes, and now they're not. But there's another story for people who do engage and interact with scripture. When we look at Bible users, so these are people who do pick up the Bible, they're still picking up the Bible, there are big changes going on for them as well. And the big story there is when they read scripture, and it encourages them to engage in their faith and to serve others and to be generous with their time and with their talents. And and love people, they're not being able to do that because we've had social distancing and we've had so many pandemic disruptions that people are really struggling to live out their faith in the normal ways they've grown accustomed to.
1: You know, as uh, we started this new year sharing with, with my team, you know, having gone through this pandemic and then we roll into 2022 and we've got this war in Eastern Europe, and, you know, people are saying, I just want to get back to normal. I think the message that uh, the Lord has shown me and that we've shared with our team is that, you know, this is the new normal. It is a, an unsettled world, which Jesus said was going to happen as we move toward the end of time. And so in the midst of this, we, we have to, what, what I've seen, what the Lord has shown me, is that we have to embrace the Lord and his word. We've got to draw closer to that word. We've got to adapt to these new circumstances and challenges that we face, but stay on Mission, and and so the word of God is central, I believe, to the health of the church. I mean, you can't you can't be the church without the word of God. But with these changes, uh, has the church been able to adapt to helping people engage in the word and live that word out?
4: I think the good news is that where uh, people are connecting with their local church. And they are being able to connect with God's word. They're thriving. And we're going to be telling more of the story throughout the year as we release new chapters. But when people engage with God's word, they do find hope. They do find healing. They do find flourishing and resilience. So that's all good. The challenge comes in the fact that many people haven't been able to maintain their connection to the local church. And I think that in many ways, this speaks of the importance of a church community, that vibrant Christian community that welcomes people, that helps them connect with God's word, that supports them when they're hurting. uh, That is just invaluable to all of our spiritual journey. And I think here we are in Holy Week. And this is a time to remember that when Jesus left us, he didn't leave us alone, but he left us his Holy Spirit, and he called us out of the culture to come together around God's word and God's spirit to live a prophetic alternative to what we might see all around us. And so, yeah, there are wars, and yeah, there's disruption and pandemic, and there's a lot of hurt, but we as the community of faith, we as a community of believers in Christ can in fact live out a prophetically alternative, a different and compelling life,
1: and, and and do so with joy. I mean, Jesus said, "I've told you these things so that you might keep your joy, so that we're not disturbed by these things." Is thinking, "Where did this come from?" Uh, he he warned us of this, and back to the Holy Spirit. I mean, the, the 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 one of the essential aspects of the Holy Spirit that the Lord said the reason He was giving the Holy Spirit was to lead us into all truth. And so that's, again, the word is central to uh, that because the word is is truth. Could it be, uh, and I know I, I read through the report, and folks, I would encourage you to take a look at it. I, I kind of like these things, but you'll find it instructive, especially pastors. I would encourage you to go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over, and look at this. But... I, I was reading through it, and I saw the numbers. I said, well, maybe they did some miscalculations. And I get to the next page, and you said, we thought maybe we did some miscalculations, so we ran the numbers again, um, but and we did some parallel analysis, and it showed the same thing. This disconnection from the weekly gatherings or the regular gatherings of believers in, in congregations and churches, could that be that... As people are not gathering, there's not the encouragement to engage in the Word, to read the Word even outside of that congregational
4: setting. I think you're exactly right. Uh, Engaging with God's word is in many ways not an individual sport, Uh, though we have varying levels of ability to dig in and understand the history, culture, and context of scripture. I think we understand and apply scripture better within a nurturing faith community. In fact, earlier today, we received an email in my office from a Canadian woman who lives currently in the United Kingdom, and she had read the report. And what she took away from it was a sense of great relief she said, you know, I've really, I'm a longtime believer. I've, I'm deeply committed to Christ, but I've been struggling in my faith. And when I read this, I realized other people have been struggling too. And so I think for pastors and church leaders to just recognize that there are people you might not think are struggling, but they're having a hard time connecting to their faith. They're having a hard time hearing the voice of God through scripture. And if we can have empathy for that, and we can come alongside them and encourage them from God's word and through prayer and community, I think that brings incredible hope and great opportunity to come back in 2023 and see there's been a huge turnaround because we rose to the occasion and we cared for people.
1: John, I think that's absolutely right, and what we have seen here at the Family Research Council is that we began, this is our second time to do this, a two-year journey through the Bible where we've invited people to collectively join with us, and each morning I do a online devotional based on the daily reading, and the feedback we're getting is remarkable. Uh, that people who for the first time have engaged the Bible in a daily consistent way and the testimonies of the impact that that's had upon them and their families. But it was a collective journey. It's having someone else with you on that journey. Now, I, I would admit I think doing this online is, uh, is the second best way to do it. I do think that you need that weekly huddle where you come together as uh, believers. But we saw the void uh, as many churches have still not returned to to normal, and quite frankly, I think we're going to see other disruptions in the future. And so I think we've got to teach people to to develop that own their own ability to consistently read and remain
4: in the Word of God. You know, I think you're right. It, the world is shifting from being exclusively in-person and then during the pandemic, kind of exclusively online as Gen Z got relabeled the Zoomers. Uh, And I think we're coming into a new normal. Maybe we're not entirely there yet, but it's going to be a hybrid thing. We need to be able to connect with others in flesh and blood, sitting around a coffee table, talking about God's word and bearing one another's burdens. We also need to be able to connect with a wider audience of people who because of the circumstances of their life might not be able to come to my living room or come to my church building and still be able to offer them a loving community that opens God's word to them and says, this is a cause for hope. We read the end of the book and we know that despite wars and rumors of wars, God wins. And so we are just part of his much bigger story. And I think that context sets our temporary troubles in um, a hopeful context, a hopeful place. 100% agree. And, and that's why our team here in
1: Washington, we, we are in this daily study together and we we discuss it every morning when we gather because we deal with such weighty issues. And if we just lived by the headlines, we would all be depressed. We would be on antidepressants. But rather, we have joy because we know that God has told us these things are happening. We also know that the nature of man is revealed in Scripture, and it is only by God's grace and his act of redemption that men and women and children are transformed by the truth of his word, and so we cling tight to that. Now, Dr. Blake, before, you know, I leave people with the impression that it's all bad news, there's actually some... You know, little clouds, as you put it in here, of hope that are beginning to emerge in this study. Tell
4: us about it. Well, you know, even among people who are not engaging with God's word, and that's a big chunk of people, we we estimate 145 million American adults are currently completely disengaged from the Bible. But when we look at them and we ask them, are you curious to know what the Bible has to say? Or are you curious to know more about Jesus Christ? Overwhelmingly, they say, yes, they are, like two thirds of Bible disengaged people and nearly 90% of people in what we call the movable middle are really curious to know more about God's word. And so I think as we connect God's word to the issues they're facing, to the struggles they might be facing in their own lives, and we help them understand, it's not just a big old dusty book written a long time ago in a format that I don't really understand, but no, it offers timeless wisdom hope, and healing to those who seek it. When we connect the dots for people, we welcome them into this whole new uh, environment of curious exploration of the wonderful truth and hope that we find in God's Word.
1: So are you seeing that in the younger generations, this curiosity about the Word of God?
4: We really are. Not only are we seeing curiosity in Generation Z, uh, but we're also seeing uh, a willingness to lean into digital ways of interacting with the Bible, and I may be giving some things away, but we're going to be talking more about that in in some coming uh, chapters. And so, one fascinating thing about Gen Z is they're open to digital forms of scripture. And you know who else is open to digital forms of scripture? People who are studying the Bible. And so this is a great environment where people who are just looking to explore the Bible and people who are deeply studying and digging through word studies and themes and things like that, they come together in the same platform and they're, they're wanting answers to their questions. Though their questions are different, those digital tools are really a godsend in the 21st century.
1: Now, Dr. Blake, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm I'm going strictly off of memory here, but if I recall correctly, going into the the pandemic, there was kind of a spike in Bible reading that people were turning to the scripture, which suggests that in times of trouble, uncertainty, that oftentimes people will turn to the scripture. But of course, we've been in this pandemic for a while, so it's no longer a new uncertainty. But is that evidence that you uncovered in your report that people do turn to scripture in tough times?
4: I think we do see that in the data. In fact, we have a group of people that we call the movable middle. I've mentioned them before. They're kind of curiously exploring scripture. They're maybe new to the Bible, maybe don't read it like you do, or perhaps like I do, uh, but they're beginning to find their way around. That group of the movable middle Last year in 2021, numbered 95 million Americans. And it was the peak of a four-year upward trend. Um, As the pandemic hit, people turned to scripture. They wanted to know what the Bible said about hurt and uh, about pain and about healing and about suffering. And in a way, that moment has kind of passed, like the rumblings of an earthquake have passed. And though there aren't 95 million people in the movable middle, there are still 64 million people in the movable middle. So that's a lot of Americans who are examining Scripture, who are trying to find out what it has to say for their lives. And it's a huge opportunity for us in the church to just come alongside them and answer their questions yeah. and point them to the hope that we find in God's Word.
1: Uh, Dr. Blake, just have about a minute left. But given that fact, I see that as a um, well, let me just say this to borrow from Scripture. Uh, The field is wide unto harvest when you have all of those there that we can reach. What should churches be doing based upon what you see in our culture and in our country today?
4: I think the first thing they can do is just acknowledge the trouble that people have gone through and the hurt that they've gone through. Uh, People want to know that you understand. I think the second thing, invite people back into these life-giving, small group kinds of interactions around scripture, whether it's in somebody's home or it's in a Zoom room, invite them in. And I think the third thing is listen to their questions. If we're not answering their questions, the conversation's over. But once we answer their questions, there's a whole new opportunity to share what God's word has to say in its own terms. And that's a great opportunity for
1: all of us. Well, Dr. John Plake, I want to thank you for joining us today. I always find this very uh, insightful. Every time you put out one of these studies, I'm uh, ready to read it. So I uh, look forward to looking at the, uh, the other eight uh, installations of uh, this report that will be coming out through the course of the year. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate being with you and happy Easter. Same to you, Dr. John Plake with the American Bible Society. Folks, I want to thank you for uh, joining us as well, and I pray that you have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought
0: to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.